Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. You know, I hope today I can share with you what I feel. Because uh, <laughs> with hopefully I can make it through. But I just wanted to start, like as I was um, sitting in the drum cage, I know all the time I say I'm like a caged animal back there. Uh, it's true though. Because yeah. there are some times that you just want to start ripping and roaring and taking off down the aisles and you know I but when I was sitting back there God just started dealing with me about something and this is not in my notes of course right but I I was I was praying about um or I was studying about the triumphal entry because you guys know it's Palm Sunday not, I actually didn't feel to say this, but all of a sudden I do because that's how God works. But I was studying about the triumphal entry and it's, it's recorded in all four gospels where Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And we call it Palm Sunday because they took palm branches and laid them as, as Jesus entered in on this, on this donkey. Do you know what was so powerful about that moment? Jesus was referenced in two ways, as king and as Hosanna. What they did, the disciples did it first. They took off their garments and they laid it on the donkey. And then as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, the people took off their coats and laid it at the feet of Jesus and bowed their heads and said, Hosanna, our king in the highest. reason why that's so powerful there was only a few times that that happened in scripture if you read the old testament when jehu was anointed king they did the same thing they laid their garments at his feet and what this was a representation of was recognizing the deity of jesus and recognizing his kingship over us i have a question for you is jesus still hosanna in your life is jesus still the king in your life Do you know what Hosanna means? Hosanna comes from a Hebrew word. I can't pronounce it, of course. It was a word, anytime you see the word help, deliver, or save in reference to God, it's that that Hebrew word. Again, I can't can't remember how to pronounce it, but that's where we get the, the title Hosanna. What it means is the one who brings salvation. Now, in the children of Israel, they had a kind of a twisted view of what Jesus was supposed to do. They thought he was supposed to overthrow the Roman government, deliver them from persecution, and set up Israel as the kingdom over earth. That's what they thought. And Jesus even stood and wept after the triumphal entry. Did y'all know this? 
He stood and wept over the city and said, oh, that you only knew the time of your visitation. If you only really understood what was happening. Today, I am so thankful that I understand who Hosanna is. Today, I am so thankful that he is the one who brings salvation in my life. Is he still king when your life is desolate? Is he still king when your life is in ruin? Is he still Hosanna? The answer is yes. So today in my spirit, I just felt taking that garment off, laying it at the feet of Jesus and recognizing him as our king. He is the only one who can save us. He is the only one who can breathe life into death. That same breath that he breathed into Adam's nostrils at the very beginning. Did you know the same word is used when we receive the Holy Ghost? It is the same thing, the breath of life, the breath of God. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, God literally breathes life into the dead places in our heart, literally brings uh, the, the, the dead soul that we've been living in and brings it to life. He brings dead things back to life, people. I have to apologize to the media team because I'm not going to get to everything I thought I was going to. I'm going to leave this here. I'm going to just leave this here, okay? I want to direct your attention to scripture that I know I've preached before because it's powerful, it's powerful scripture. It's in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is just one of my favorite books of the Bible. I just look at that man and I just see faith and just tenacity to follow the will of God no matter what. Can we go to, actually, you know what? Let's back up. I'm sorry. Let's go to Romans 4, 16 through 18 real quick. And then we'll get to Ezekiel. Thank you. Honestly, what I felt to to deliver today was the theme that we're sticking with is just back to life. And I, I, I want to start here. I'm, I'm skipping a lot of my notes because I just want to get to the point. Romans 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed, not, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written... I have made thee a father of many nations. It's talking about Abraham. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, this is talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Let's, let's just pray real quick before we get started. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. I thank you, Lord, for this, the, the presence we've already felt today. I ask that you would transform our minds, God. Don't let us be like the world. Help us to be more like you. Help us to be reflections of your glory, Jesus. And I pray that if there's anybody here who's dealing with a situation that's desolate or looks beyond hope, God, I pray that you would breathe life into that situation today as it is your will, God. We pray according to your will in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Dean, I almost want you to just stay here. Can you? All right. I'm not going to be long. I won't be long. I, the thing that amazes me about Romans, 6, uh, Romans, 17, Romans 4, 17, that scripture, it's about Abraham. And Abraham always had faith in the promise of God. You know, he was old when that promise actually came around. The Bible says that him and Sarah were actually, uh, I love the way it says, it says they're old and well stricken. They were old. And God confirmed his promise more than once to Abraham and to Sarah. But we see here in verse 17, Abraham believed that God quickens the dead and God calls those things which are not as though they were. In other words, he believed that God can breathe life into a dead situation or dead person or whatever. And he also believed that God can speak and something happens. That's what that phrase and call it those things which be not as though they were. What it's saying is God can speak. He doesn't need anything else to, to help his words work. He just speaks and it happens. He doesn't need anything to create. He just speaks and it creates. What's amazing though is that Abraham never, never witnessed God revive somebody, but yet he still believed God could. He never witnessed, he wasn't there when creation happened but yet he knew when God speaks, something happens. Abraham was a man of faith and he believed that no matter what the situation looked like, God can make a promise come to pass. Because he promised Abraham, you'll be a father of many nations. And more than once he said, don't worry, I got this. Abraham even asked him, hey, what are you gonna give me? Because the only person I have is Eliza and he's a steward of my house. I don't even have an heir. And God said, don't worry, I got you. You're taken care of. It'll happen when it happens because God is always on time, right? But then we get to the fulfillment of the promise. They're old. Sarah laughs because she's so old. She's, you know, she's not even, uh, if I could even say it like this, she's not even having the regular cycles of a woman. That's what the Bible says. So she didn't think she could get pregnant. And yet a miracle happened and a, a son was born. They tried to, to do things on their own. You know, Ishmael was born. But then the promise of God, no matter how long it takes, no matter how dead it looked, God still brought it to pass. And then when the promise came, Abraham, he asked Abraham, sacrifice your son, your only son. You know what's crazy about that? I mean, put yourself in that situation. But yet Abraham didn't hesitate. When God asked him to do something, he did it. Even, I, I don't know, I, I have to believe that his mentality was still of faith because he even told his son as they're walking up, the son's asking, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham responds, don't worry, God's gonna provide it. God will provide the sacrifice. But I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my head around that because to me, that looks like a situation that's not gonna end well. But yet Abraham, still full of faith, still believing God can quicken the dead, still believing that God can speak and things will happen, decided to obey God. And we know the story, the, the, the promise was still, uh, was preserved. Uh, Isaac was not sacrificed, God stopped, stopped Abraham. The point I wanna get to actually comes in Ezekiel. It's Ezekiel chapter 37. I believe it's Ezekiel 37, it is. This 
have such a hard time putting myself in this position. Have you, you guys have read the book of Ezekiel, right? You know, it's, it's full of just insane imagery and this, uh, just, just visions that would blow your mind and things that God asked Ezekiel to do that. We just look at somebody, you know, and put them in an insane asylum because it, like, it was just crazy, the things that happen. But we find Ezekiel 37, the prophet is having a vision. Ezekiel 37 and one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. I, I, I can't even put myself in this position. God's given this man a vision. And I've studied this, I've studied this vision many, many times. And, and what I've come to find is, is Ezekiel is literally ankle deep in these bones. You guys knew that, right? He wasn't just looking afar off on this scene, that he was in it. He was standing in this valley that was full, ankle deep, full of bones. And they weren't just dead, right? It wasn't just a recently deceased person. They were bones, they had, they had no skin left, they had no, no muscle, no sinew, nothing left on them, and they were parched and sun bleached because they had been sitting there for such a long time that they had went through the full uh, decomposition cycle, and now it's just bones left. Do you know how long it takes to get to that point? It takes a long time for a body to fully decompose to where it's just bones left. Now I'm sure, you know, you can make the argument, being outside, whatever, in the sun, that would help. This is a vision, people, okay? But it takes a long time to get to that point. And Ezekiel is standing there, and God tells him, prophesy to the bones. So he does. Ezekiel was a man of obedience and of faith. When God said it, he did it. So he prophesied to these bones. Speaking to something that's dead. Speaking to something that's beyond hope. Modern science will say there's, you can't bring that back to life. Bones, when they're, there's no reversing that. But God tells him prophesy to the bones. So he does. What happens? The bones start coming together one by one, start connecting joint together, sinew, uh, muscle and tendons and skin comes across the bones. And now he's in a valley of dead people. It's no longer bones. Now it's just dead people. Maybe it looks a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a little bit more hope, right? We see this progression, but what's powerful is God then tells him not to prophesy to the bodies again, prophesy to the wind and tell the wind to come into the bodies. So he did. That word wind is a Hebrew word that is translated as breath or spirit. And this just shows how powerful the spoken word of God is. God speaks, it happens. Isaiah records that God's word does not return void. When the word of God is spoken, something happens. So now the wind, I just imagine the wind beginning to just howl and really start to pick up. And the wind ends up filling these, uh, these bodies and they stand up an exceeding great army. 
now they're alive. The point that I wanna make is God even explains what this vision is. Uh, the next verse, uh, verse 11, you can put up there if you want. Yeah, here we go. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, this is what I wanna focus on. Our bones are dried and our hope is lost. That was the mindset of Israel at this time. That there is no hope. All it is is desolation. All it is is death. We have no hope and we're cut off. That was the mindset of Israel. I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever felt that way? Can we just see, or somebody raise their hand? Everybody. Everybody has felt this way. This prophecy shows me that there is nothing too far gone for God to revive. This prophecy shows me, yes, it was about Israel, but apply it today because Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. He can still breathe life into a dead situation. I wanna ask you, do you have any areas in your life that look dead? Do you have any situations that look hopeless? Do you, have, uh, do you need a healing today? Do you need financial provision and it looks like it's beyond hope? Can I tell you that God still breathes life into those situations? That God still breathes His Spirit and makes things live? It doesn't matter how dead it looks. That's the hope that it doesn't matter. It can be dead for years and years and years, but God can still bring it to life. God can still bring it to life. Oh man. Last thing I wanna end, this is, I'm ending. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it to a close. The last thing I wanna share with you is a, a personal story, if that's okay. Um, I probably shared this story before, but I, you guys know, like I grew up, I need some water. About to feel like a fish out of water right now. You guys know, like I grew up and my dad uh, was not living for God. That he, um, you know, he had grew, grown up in the church, but he had backslidden, he just never found his way back. He left the church when he was 18, got involved in drugs and alcohol, all kinds of stuff. Thankfully, while I was growing up, that was not in our house, well, for the most part. But, I remember um, when I at first had really like been serious about living for God, because um, I had grown up in the church. You know, it's funny when you grow up in the when you grow up in the church, you learn how to clap, you learn how to raise your hands, you learn when to shout. You know, you learn all these things. But when I truly started to, to develop a relationship with God, when I truly started getting on my knees every day, when I truly started reading the Word. I looked at my dad and I was just so, like it would hurt me. You know, I mean, it, it would just hurt because it, <clears throat> it had looked like he will never come back to God. Like he would never return back. He was the prodigal who didn't return. You know, like that's, that's what it felt like. And I remember when I was in youth service one time, I was praying for him. And you know, it's funny, like, we know God is a, God's a perfect gentleman, right? He doesn't just kick in the door and drag us to the cross. I mean, he doesn't do that because he wants us to choose him. 
So I remember praying for my dad and I'd say, God, save him. And you know what? The Lord, you know, I, the Lord responded to me and he told me I'll do what I can to save him. That's what, that was his response because God can't just drag somebody to the altar but he can use the situations in our life to drive us to him. He can do that. But I remember that and I wasn't too hopeful about that because it wasn't just like, yes, he's coming to church next Sunday and getting refilled with the Holy Ghost. That's what I was expecting. But I kept praying and there were some times where I was like, I prayed for him for 10 years. Y'all didn't know that. And there were times that I was like, what, what am I even praying? Why am I even praying? Because he ain't, he ain't ever going to straighten up. You know, he ain't ever going to turn his life back to Christ. But I'll tell you this. I've been praying for him for 10 years. I still pray for him. And I'm including that, you know, now. It's been 10 years. And I'll tell you, my dad is closer to Jesus than he ever has been before. And what I want to tell you, I just want to convey, convey a story of hope. That when God makes a promise, it will come to pass. It don't matter how long it takes. It will happen. He promised me he'd be working on my dad. He promised me that he would, uh, you know, salvage our relationship. And he did. And I'll tell you, my dad is still on the path back to Jesus. But what I see when I look at Ezekiel, I see a situation even in my life that looked totally dead. That looked like, you know, that it was never going to happen. But yet God still breathes life into the situations that look beyond hope. You know, I, I, I didn't always live for God. There was a period in my time where I wasn't living for God. And that was one of the driest, you know, horrible stretches of my life. But God still breathed into me. When I got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore, right? I couldn't even look myself in the mirror, right? You know, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody right now, but it got to a point where I just, you know, there were places in my life that, that were just, they weren't, to me, they weren't worth salvaging. But yet God still breathes life into those things that look beyond salvation, those things that look beyond being able to salvage. And God salvages it and makes a masterpiece out of it. He doesn't just bring it to life and, you know, let it have, uh, y'all have to forgive me for this analogy, okay? He doesn't just bring something that's dirty and nasty and breathes life into it and just leaves it as it is, but he creates a masterpiece out of it. He fixes it. He makes it better. He continues to revive, continues to draw us to him. Uh, he just, he continues to work beyond our understanding. So today, can we all just stand real quick? Today, the question I want to ask you, what do you need to be brought back to life in your life? What do you need God's breath or where do you need God to breathe in your life? Where do you need his spirit in your life? Maybe it's somebody that you know that, that you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe it's a promise God made you that still hasn't come to pass. Maybe it's a calling on your life that still hasn't happened yet. 
where do you need God to move? Because God will. He will breathe life. Can we all just bow our heads? He is still Hosanna. He is still the one who brings salvation. Even when things look beyond salvation, he is still Hosanna. He is still the king. Even when our life collapses all around us, he is still our king. He's the king of life and he has authority over all the dead things in our life. So where do you need him to move? I just ask that, that you would have enough faith to believe that God can do anything. You know, one thing that I pray about myself all the time is, Lord, increase my faith. Naturally, I'm not a very faith-driven person. I'll be 100% honest. God, God had to really work on me with that. So I always ask, Lord, please increase my faith. If that's what you need today, God can increase your faith. God can give you the capacity to believe him for anything. So I would, I would encourage you, why don't we just come down here as a family? Bring whatever need you have and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Bring whatever situation looks completely beyond hope and bring it to the feet of Jesus. You know, it might not work out the way we want it to. It might not work out the way we think it should. But if God makes a promise, it will happen. And the Lord brings salvation into our life. He's already brought salvation into our spirit so we can spend eternity with him. But where else do you need salvation? Where else do you need God to step in in your life? Some of us have been praying and fasting for 12 days back to life, and we have seven left. And I believe this is a word that speaks to the very essence of what we're trying to do to build toward a celebration of life next week. I want you to know that I really feel as I was walking up here that God is going to show you what you thanked him for in the next seven days. I think it's going to be a quick work. I believe you're going to see something come back to life in your life in the next seven days. That there's going to be a phone call made. There's going to be some something done that is going to happen. If you have enough faith to believe that, would you reach your hands toward heaven and say, Lord, bring me my back to life. In the next seven days, Lord, bring me my back to life. I, I receive it in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it, and I declare it in the name of the Lord. I take dominion over any spiritual authority that would try to stand against it. I push back every spirit of darkness. I take dominion over any demon or power that says it cannot be. For God speaks life, and when he speaks it, all things must obey. I claim it in the name of Jesus for somebody to see it and know that you're bringing life back to death. You're bringing life back to dead things in Jesus name in Jesus name I believe if it's a financial blessing you're gonna see it in the next seven days I believe it's a relationship there's gonna be a phone call come and someone's gonna say you know what I really need to get back to God I believe that right now 
Would you lift a prayer for anyone that's distant from the Lord right now in your family, any prodigals in the house that you know of? Would you lift a hand? Would you just put them in God's hands for seven days back to life? Lord, in seven days, do your work in their heart right now. Would you just bring the time to fulfillment that you're going to draw them back to your kingdom, draw them back to your love, draw them back to your work in them that you began so long ago. God, return them to the former days of love in you. Lord, return them, return the prodigal, God. Lord Jesus, turn their hearts back that when they walk and they begin to reach towards you, that you run as the Father to them, Lord God. Run to them, Lord Jesus. Turn their hearts so that you are you're able to see them return we're able to see them return and run to them lord god take them in your arms and recover them and put the coat on them that gives them identity again and and we will celebrate life in them again in jesus name i pray for every person far from the lord that they would return back in jesus name in jesus name amen god bless you as you pray and fast this week in any way you can we love you, Lord. We sing hallelujah to you, Jesus, with the highest praise on our lips. In Jesus' name, God bless you this week as you celebrate the Lord in your life, in good times and in bad. Amen? Yes. He's bringing it back to life, no matter what it looks like. He's bringing it back to life. We are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. Amen. Amen. God bless you.